Welcome to Bulls Anonymous, a safe place for Bulls fans to share their pain. In today's episode, I'd like to talk a little bit about where the Bulls stand as a team, what the plans are going forward, what I as a fan would like to see, what front office as a management team have the capacity to do, including their assets or lack thereof. Uh, what the roster looks like, maybe some of the roster needs uh, is something else we could talk about. And just going around the league, what's going on with the latest news in terms of Eastern Conference Final, um, the Denver Nuggets, what LeBron James said, maybe some drum rant. So all that and more along with a couple of conspiracy theories here for you. So after a what seemed like a really long and painful season, it looks like we may not be coming back with the same exact team next season, which is contrary to what Acme has been saying. I believe they're saying they want to keep the same team just to kind of get leverage on blowing it up. But that's going to be I'm going to theorize on this a little bit later. Right now, let's take a look at the roster. Who's going to be a free agent? what the possible routes are for these free agents uh, coming up in the offseason. The first name that sticks out is Nikola Vucevic. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And from everything that they've been saying, uh, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, they want to retain him somehow. I don't see how that's going to happen. The next uh, big name, or at least Bulls fans, that we see as a free agent in this upcoming offseason is Kobe White, who's going to be a restrictive free agent. So that means the Bulls can match any offer that he gets. Uh, I personally would like to see them re-sign Kobe White because he made a lot of improvements. Uh, but he, he, I mean, he's a young guard that he likes, he likes to attack. He gets hot every now and then. I think he's going to be offered more money than the Bulls can pay for him. Someone else, Derek Jones Jr., he opted into the final year of, of his of his contract, so he's going to be staying. Javante Green's going to be a free agent. Ayo DeSumo, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Now, DeSumo, pretty interesting figure, I guess. It's very polarizing within Bulls fan base because although he played pretty good his first year, second year, kind of underperformed, so... Not sure what they're going to do with him. Patrick Beverly, he's going to be leaving because he's looking to get paid. And Justin Lewis, Terry Taylor, of course, those guys not really playing any significant role in Bulls games. So this leaves us with who? We're still going to have DeMar DeRozan. We're going to have Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams. Um, I think I believe if Marco Simonovic does not get waived until July seventh, he's going to have one more year on his contract. So he might be, uh, thankfully, he might be back next season. I think Andre Drummond is, is supposed to be back next season if he doesn't get waived. Zach Levine, of course, got signed to that big max contract this previous off season. Derek Jones Jr., as I mentioned, he's going to be back. Dalen Terry, second-year player, he's going to be back. Um, and that's kind of it. So just at a first glance, we're going to be we're going to be missing our most valuable big man. Uh, it's debatable how valuable he, he is compared to all the rest of the big men in the league. We could talk about each player a little bit more in depth as as the show goes on with every other episode. I kind of want to focus on the front office part as of right now. Nikola Vucevic, he, I'd say he was very valuable to the team. He played all his games, and he's not the greatest defender, but he's he's got a pretty high basketball IQ. I think I personally think that he kind of may have been a little demotivated playing for this team. I would be too. So I think maybe that's why we saw so many lapses from him on defense, especially throughout the season. So we're not going to have a big man. We're going to be relying on Andre Drummond to be playing Nikola Vucevic's role. 
I'm not sure that he can do that, especially for an extended period of time. We're possibly going to lose Kobe White, although I'd like to see him remain with the Bulls. I personally would like for them to put Kobe White on DeMar DeRozan's spot. So then you have Kobe White as your point guard. You have Zach Levine as your... um, I'm, I'm talking in terms of usage, of course. We're not going to put Kobe White as a, as a small forward. Just in terms of usage, we're going to have Kobe White, Zach Levine, and then you, you sign uh, some type of small forward, maybe slide Patrick Williams back at, at the three and sign a four, and you have to get go out there and get a center. So uh, the, the glaring needs from this team – course we're not going to talk too much about Javante Green he didn't get a chance to play too much this previous season really good defender high energy guy not necessarily the type of impact player that we need so I'm not too concerned with him we just got a we had a really good deal on him maybe we could sign him to another team friendly deal if if he accepts that I had Dasumu again he's going to be a restricted free agent I'm not sure I want to do everything in my power to bring him back just because I haven't seen what everybody else saw in him the first season. To me, he was a pretty solid guy. What was most impressive was how solid he was for a first-year player. But that's, I believe what we saw in the first season is probably going to be a ceiling. So I think maybe a lot of people are overhyping Ayodosumu. So again, right off the bat, it looks like we're going to need another big man if in case we don't get Nikola Vucevic back. Front office says they want to re-sign him and they want to possibly get him to a team-friendly deal. It, it's kind of crazy to talk about getting Nikola Vucevic on a team-friendly deal because most of the time when you, when you sign a team-friendly contract, it's because you have the potential to win a championship and or you just really like playing for this team. You like the guys that are there. You like the city, the organization, and so on. I don't think Nikola Vucevic checks either one of those boxes. I don't think he likes playing for this team with these teammates. And he doesn't see that this team is going to win a championship anytime soon. So considering the type of place that he would be staying to play in, the main thing that you would stay for is money and I just don't see the Bulls offering him the type of money that he's going to be looking for. He's towards the the back end of his prime. He's going to be looking to maybe win some games, maybe advance a little bit further into the playoffs. So he's either going to be looking to get paid or to do something more in terms of the postseason. I don't think he's going to be staying with the Bulls in any way, shape, or form. I would like to see him stay just because he was consistent, the most probably the most consistent player. And I think maybe a Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic combo would work pretty well. Um, now, point guard. If if Kobe White leaves, we're relying on Lonzo Ball coming back and <laughs> after a knee transplant surgery and being the player that he was before, maybe even more, which is, I mean, it's downright insane. Because the type of injury that he has, the type of surgery, this is going to be his third surgery in the past two seasons. And I don't think, I I personally don't think he's going to be back to playing basketball in the NBA. That's just my opinion. Hopefully the Bulls could get some, some type of... Um, some type of relief because of his injury and drop his contract from the books. Or if he does come back, I think it's going to take him at least two years to play at the level where he played prior to his injury, which was at the beginning of the 2021-22 season. And all that being said, again, you're going into next season without a reliable point guard, without a guy who can set everybody up and, and kind of pass the ball around. And when you do that, you're going in as Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan as being your primary ball handlers. And we all see how that goes. Now, I think if DeMar DeRozan really takes a step back and he maximizes his potential as the player who was in San Antonio, I think the Bulls 
can be a much much better team. They can they can really, I think, surprise a lot of people. But it's just not in his. It's not in his DNA to be that type of predominantly distributor guy. And he's just gonna keep doing the ISO mid ranges. And you know, again, this is I. I think this has been talked over too many times, but. It's not how you win games in today's NBA, especially if he's not a guy that's going to be playing defense. So if if Lonzo Ball, I mean, it's there's not there's not an if he's not coming back next next season. I think a lot of people maybe had some hope, but keep in mind, Bulls are a pretty secretive organization. They don't like to talk about a lot about the injuries that go on and personnel changes and stuff like that. So don't be surprised if Lonzo Ball is not back all of next season and possibly half of the season after that. Also keep in mind that there's going to be load management. You know, he's not going to he's not going to just jump in to playing starting point guard again every night. And Lonzo Ball is a guy that's had a history of injuries. So all that said, you can't really count on him to be your point guard. And you have to go out and get some kind of a point guard to set everybody up, even if it's not like a Kyrie Irving. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan. I'm just throwing him out there as an example. But you need to get yourself some type of a point guard to set everybody up and and get things going. Another huge deficiency that our team has is the three-point shooting, obviously. Every single game that we played, it seemed like opponents would just... This is, Of course, this is talking the eye test. Uh, opponents would just thrive at the three-point line. Even if they're not one of the better shooting teams, they would just come to Chicago or just play against the Bulls. And all of a sudden, they're it's like they're at a three-point contest. They just keep knocking them down and, and sometimes even some really impossible shots where the Bulls don't have a guy that can do that. Every every maybe four or five games, Zach will kind of heat up and, and go on a tear from three-point line, but it he's just inconsistent. You can't rely on him doing that every game. And this has been a problem for the Bulls pretty much since Lonzo Ball went down, and it's continued to be a problem. Our second best three-point shooter is Nikola Vucevic and then Kobe White. And those guys, again, you can't really, although Vooch knocks, especially some pretty pretty clutch threes throughout the season, but, I mean, as a Bulls fan, when you see him grab the ball at the top of the three, what do you, what, what do you tell yourself? You're like, oh, man, not again. If he makes it, you're like, oh, wow, he made it. But if he doesn't make it, you're like, I kind of knew that was going to happen. And that's the second guy that you give the ball to when you expect a three-pointer to be made. Kobe White, again, another streaky shooter, but you can't rely on him doing it as much as he should be doing it on a team that wants to win a bunch of games. So three-point shooting is, is another one. I think, I don't I don't even think that defense or rim protection are as important as the three-point and the point guard play at this point. Just because... We don't have our defense. I mean, it didn't really pass the eye test for me, but statistically, apparently, they were pretty good. They were in the upper half of the NBA. But even if you do get stops, when you don't have that outlet pass, when you don't have, even if the defense, the opposing defense gets back, you don't have somebody to set you up in the half court. So, again, the, your main play is, here, Zach, here, DeMar, you guys do what you can. ISO it up and see what you can do. When that's your game plan, you're, there's n- no realistic chance of you getting anywhere past the, you know, playing tournament. If if that. They barely even made that. If you have a point guard, you have all these scorer guys. I mean, you have Zach, you have DeMar. If, if Vooch stays, he's another one. So if you have a capable point guard, you can set all those guys up, get them the ball, get some confidence in them, and maybe they start making some crazy shots too. I'm I'm not sure. But that's to me that's 
one of the most important things that the Bulls have to address. That and, of course, three-point shooting, but even even more so than three-point shooting, you got to get a guy who could set the table for everybody else. That's the, one of the most important things. So, with all that being said, where should the Bulls go? Where I think the first question we have to answer is, who has the vision for this team? Is it the Reinsdorfs, Michael and Jerry? And they say, I want this guy, I want that guy. This is how I want the team to look. I highly doubt it. Is it Acme? And maybe there's some disagreements, including between Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnaschovas. Who has, or here's conspiracy theory number one. Is it John Paxson still pulling the strings from behind the scenes, basically just hiring Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley as fall guys or as the face of the front office, and he's behind the scenes pulling all the strings? Because honestly, right now, the way that the team's being run reminds me of what Gar Foreman and John Paxson did. Because we're a mediocre team that's both trying to get some free agents and trying to stay in the draft or trying to at least get in the draft or trying to get high draft. So you're trying to get a mix of really young players and players that are in their prime and try to make something happen by getting the best of both worlds. And we've seen this before. You're not going to get anywhere trying to do that. Now, I'm just a basketball fan. You know, I, I don't have experience in the NBA. I've never managed a team. I've never played in the NBA, and I can clearly see that this team is not put together really well at all. Of course, there's always going to be the people that talk about Lonzo Ball and, and how if he was healthy, this team would look different and so on. So let me tell you something about those first, I believe, 15 games of the 2021-22 season when the Bulls were doing well after all those signings. Try to notice that at the beginning of every NBA season, the first maybe 10, 15 games, there's a lot of chaos going on. There's new signings. There's people that, players that have come into the season out of shape. There's players that have played uh, deep into the playoffs from the previous season. And you can't, you, you haven't had enough time to kind of, design some schemes for your oppose uh, for your opposition all that put together those first 15 games again a lot of chaos a lot of i guess disturbance within the the standings and by the time game 20 25 rolls around you kind of get that stability where you see the teams that were predicted to be at the top of the standings return there even if they weren't there before that so I think maybe the Bulls, when they started that season, they had that a little bit to their advantage where, I mean, if you think about it, you had Lonzo Ball, Nikola Vucevic. Of course, he got signed uh, the at the uh, trade deadline the season before that, but still a relatively new player. DeMar DeRozan, Javante Green. So technically, the only player that was there from the season before was Zach Levine and Nicole Vucevic for half a season. Everybody else was new. Other teams didn't know exactly how they were going to attack them. So there was that factor of surprise, I would say. So we don't even know if Lonzo Ball was still there, if they would continue to be as good as they were, if it was sustainable, the type of play that they were getting out of those players at the beginning of the season. So I'm not, I'm not dismissive of the claim that Lonzo Ball would make this team into you know, whatever people think that he would make them into like a deep playoff team. I'm not dismissive of that, but I'm saying take it with a grain of salt because you just don't know. You can't say if this, if that, because it's just not the reality of the situation. So, again, who has the vision? I, I personally think that John Paxson... Again, this is a little bit of a conspiracy theory, so you know, don't necessarily take it at face value. I think John Paxson still has a lot of power in terms of personnel decisions. I really do. I, it's it's hard for me to imagine that Acme, a 
basketball through and through guy. Even John Paxson, but we've seen we've seen what he can do. Can't see that this team isn't constructed well. And all ESPN or NBA in general analysts were saying when the Bulls made these signings that this team is not going to be good. And at the beginning, it was cool because everyone was like, aha, they showed you. But they, realistically, the analysts were right. Everybody was saying that the this Bulls team is not going to be good. They turned out to be right. Let's look at where might front office go. Which which direction? Should they do a rebuild? Should, should they sign somebody? From a piece that I read a couple weeks ago, it's been mentioned that half of the Bulls front office wants to do a rebuild and the other half wants to do some type of retool and, again, go back to their MVP continuity. Now, if if you want to do a full rebuild, you would have to trade. Everybody would have to be on the table, maybe except for Pat Williams and Dale and Terry because Kobe White, um, I guess I could see Kobe White also staying because he's made improvements. He seems like he could lead a team. I think maybe because there's a lot of players that are above him in terms of hierarchy, so he doesn't get as much of a role as he should. If he stays with young guys and he's the kind of the leader or the voice for those young guys, I think he would be pretty good in that role. So I would... I would probably keep Kobe White as well. Anybody else on that roster is a goner. Not even should be a goner, but is a goner. I would do everything in my power to kind of get everybody off of there. Would not resign Vooch. I would definitely trade DeMar. Definitely trade Zach Levine. Right now, I think the most valuable asset that the Bulls have is Alex Caruso. As much as I like Caruso, he's gone too. But then you go into who's going to want to be a trade partner for the Bulls. If you want to get into the draft, you're obviously not getting the pick from Greg Popovich. He's Wemby all the way, and there's no doubt about it. If you try to talk to Charlotte, maybe you can. I don't. I don't see Charlotte trading away their pick either. Although, honestly, personally, I would like to see a combination between. LaMelo Ball and Zach Levine or LaMelo Ball and DeMar. Uh, I guess maybe Zach Levine would be better, a better fit there. I mean, what what team is DeMar DeRozan a good fit on? I, this is also something that puzzles me when I look at trades, possible trade scenarios. I don't want to dig too deep into DeMar. He's a great player. Seems like a super nice guy, but I, where does he fit, man? So this the, the other team that's kind of, intriguing is the Portland Trailblazers who they have the third overall pick and since they've invested a lot of time and money and effort into keeping Dame Lillard there they're probably going to trade away that pick and get a player that can help them win now I think this is this is the only the only possible scenario where the Bulls could get into the kind of higher picks of the draft and possibly get scoot because, again, Charlotte, they already have a point guard of the future, so they're probably going to go with Brandon Miller. If Portland trades away their third pick, that's probably going to be Scoot Henderson. And if the Bulls can get Scoot Henderson, that would be a pretty good, pretty solid investment into the future. Uh, but here's the thing. I don't think they look at Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan and they tell themselves, now these guys, or one of these guys, this is the player that's going to take us over the top. This is the player that's going to help us beat, you know, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, and, well, the entire, I mean, the, the whole starting five for Denver is nuts. Uh, or he's going to help us beat even LeBron and AD. There's Neither one of those guys puts him over the top. So why would... Why would the Portland Trailblazers trade such a valuable pick for whatever we have to offer? They won't. They won't. 
you know, so although it's intriguing, I think it's unrealistic. The Portland Trailblazers are a very unrealistic trade partner for the Bulls. Going down, <clears throat> continue with the picks, Houston Rockets, you can possibly toss a veteran leader like DeMar DeRozan to the Houston Rockets, but does DeMar want to play there? You know, what are you going to get at the fourth overall pick? So going down after that, I don't think you're going to get much of an impact player, at least what the Bulls would need. The only positive is that if they suck for the 2023-24 season, at least they have their pick. So the only problem is they should have tanked this year because the the this draft is is pretty, especially up top, pretty loaded with talent. But that's, you know, we're not going to play the what-if game. So if they want to do a full rebuild, I believe that's their their options is possibly getting a trade partner in the Portland Trailblazers. Because again, if you want to trade to a team that has a high draft pick, chances are that team isn't looking for that one player to add to their core to go deep into the playoffs because they're not going to have a high draft pick because they were in the playoffs. And you're not going to have a team with a really bad record take on a guy like DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine just because why would they? They're looking to get young talent and develop them into players that will lead them into the future. So the Portland Trailblazers kind of being an anomaly there because Dame was missing for most of the season. They got a bad record and they lucked out to get into the top three. That's a It's a good situation for the Bulls to possibly take advantage of. But again, I don't think I I don't see the Portland Trailblazers taking on Chicago as a trade partner for whatever it is that we can possibly offer them. And then looking at the teams after that, I don't think you get the type of impact player that the Bulls would need for the restructuring that they're looking to do. And who knows about next year's draft? I I mean, there might be good players, they might not. There might be another Anthony Bennett type of draft. So. Missed chances, missed opportunities, and and putting themselves in a hole for years to come. Obviously, the the Bulls' mo for these past couple of seasons. Now, if they wanna if they wanna do some kind of a retool and sign some of the free agents that are gonna be available, let's see what that could possibly look like. Some of the more notable players that are gonna be available this summer are Russell Westbrook, you have Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Kevin Love, I believe, maybe has an option on his on his contract. <clears throat> Vucevic, obviously, we, we know Vucevic. Harrison Barnes, uh, he's going to be a unrestricted free agent. Jeremy Grant, Karis LeVert, mm, I'm not sure anything beyond that in terms of unrestricted free agents. Kind of catches your eye i believe james harden has a player option of the final year of his contract i think maybe the same goes for chris middleton or maybe he's up for extension so looking at all those guys if you if you're looking to re-sign nikola vucevic and you're looking to retain demar Derozan, i don't see how you get a ball handler that can set everybody up and a three-point shooting for the amount of money that you're going to have before you get into the, before you hit the cap ceiling. And why would the Bulls do that? Even if people say that Jerry Reinsdorf is cheap, if I'm him, I'm not paying extra for a team that's not going to win a championship. Why would he? There's, it makes no sense. He can spend all the money he wants, but there's we're not even proven to be able to make it into the playoffs. So why would I spend all that extra money just to kind of gamble because the fans think it's it's a good idea? I don't I don't see I don't see too many free agents that are available that's going to make the Bulls the team that we're all hoping that they become one day. I personally think. My opinion is that we should get rid of DeMar DeRozan. Definitely 
depending on how much money Vucevic wants, I would resign him, and then I would try to get as much younger talent as I could, along with some length. Bank on Kobe White taking another step forward, possibly resign him, and then uh, hope that Patrick Williams can develop into the player that he occasionally flashes to be. Because now you have Kobe White who can possibly do a little more of the handling part than Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. You don't have DeMar DeRozan, so you have more shots to kind of go around. It's going to be split between Kobe White and Patrick Williams. And now you have Nikola Vucevic being the second guy. So he can play the role that he, I think, was brought into Chicago to play, which is kind of be the point center. He's a great passer. He's great in the pick and roll. Obviously, he's not a good defender, but you look out west, Nikola Jokic, he's not the best defender. He's tall. He gets some blocks, sure, but he's not He's not a good defender. And I think when Acme came, they had this vision in their mind for Nikola Vucevic. The problem is there's not enough basketballs to go around between Levine, DeRozan, and, and Vucevic, especially when there's no movement of the ball. You got two ISO players, and then they they kind of put Vuce at the top and have him wait for, for the ball to shoot a three. That's not what he was brought in here to play. And Billy Donovan, of course, doesn't do him any favors, but I think if, if it's just Zach Levine and Nicole Vucevic, I, I can see Zach doing a lot more cuts to the baskets and kind of uh, Nicole Vucevic giving him a lot more backdoor passes other guys getting a little more open because now the the paint isn't going to be as clogged because you don't have DeMar DeRozan there. You don't have Zach Levine on a bad night kind of also in there. To me, that would be the best option because you, you keep your young players that you value. You get rid of DeMar DeRozan who, yes, he's a good scorer, but he kind of gets in the way of things, I think. And he doesn't bring enough to modern NBA scoring to kind of make up for the detrimental stuff, in my opinion. I I just, again, I go by the eye test. Sure, high usage guy, probably high efficiency, whatever stats you want to look at, points per game, blah, blah, blah. He's, He's the odd man out because he's not, he didn't just get signed to this huge contract. He doesn't shoot a whole lot of threes. He's a, he's not a good defender. And he just, when the ball gets to him, it just, 90% of the time, especially in the fourth quarter, it just stays there. And other people don't get involved. They kind of get, I think, they get demotivated. Body language says that they're just, no no one else is involved. Everybody just stays around and and looks at him and, and waits for him to make something happen. He's bailed us out a lot of times, sure. But think of how many games he's been I guess the guy or the reason why we've lost that game, I could think of a bunch. So to me, that's the most viable option is just to kind of get rid of DeMar DeRozan, see what you could get for him, possibly a point guard, possibly get into the draft and and move forward. Realistically, they'll probably just stay with the same team, hope that Lonzo Ball can come back the year after that. I don't know what, I mean... <laughs> of course, I think, again, realistically is where we're saying. We all know the Bulls. We all know what they're made of. We all know what they like. They like continuity. So this is the continuity we're going to be witnessing. I think Nikola Vucevic is a part of a, some kind of a uh, signing trade because he doesn't want to stay in Chicago. And I can see them picking up some point guard from somewhere. I don't know. As the backup possibly match whatever Kobe White gets offered and that's going to be your team going into next season nothing (coughs) nothing too impressive I also think here's here's my other theory I think that they're saying they want to run it again because they don't want to lose leverage because look at it from a front office perspective if you tell the league hey I'm looking to trade my guys we're having a fire sale. You're not going to get the type of return that you'd expect for the guys that you value or at least the way 
that you value them won't be the same as, you know, whatever team has their best interests at hand. It's not going to be how they value them. So in order to retain some leverage, I think that's why they're not saying, you know, we're, we're going to rebuild. We're trying to get rid of this player and that player and so on. I At least I hope. I, if, I think any clever GM would be inclined to do something like that. In an, in an ideal world, uh, Portland Trailblazers accept a trade for DeMar DeRozan, give us the third overall pick. Scoot Henderson falls to third. We end up having a point guard of the future. Although he's not a very good shooter, it seems like he's, I mean, he's very talented. I think he can maybe kind of figure it out. He's a, he's He's got long arms. He's not very tall, but he, he can be a pretty good defender. He can set everybody up. So, DeMar DeRozan off to Portland with this California friend, uh, Damian Lillard. They end up doing some great things in the playoffs. We're super happy for them, but we get what we want is another young player, a point guard. Vooch takes a team-friendly deal. <laughs> These are way, way too many dream scenarios here. And the Bulls end up going into the second round of the playoffs, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. I think that that would be my dream scenario is this way you retain some some veterans. You don't have to trade away Zach Levine. I'm not a huge Zach Levine fan, but looking at the league and looking at what we got going on, he's our top player. You know, he's a he's a figure that the media can talk about, I guess. Whereas otherwise, we'll just get lost in the LeBron James retirement tour talk next season. And I want the Bulls to be talked about, so then we get a little more exposure. And I don't know, man. I want the Bulls to be relevant again. Ultimately. The reason why Acme was brought in here was with the idea that Chicago would become a free agent destination in the NBA. And so far, I can't, when I look at the free agents or when I look at the superstars around the league, I see two things. None of them are going to want to come to Chicago. And there's like four or five of them that just kind of rotate from team to team just every couple of seasons so it's the situation's not great in chicago for free agents to come in here nor is the nba landscape i guess good enough to where you look at some of the players some of the superstars and you say i want that guy because they all jump from team to team so acme's plan to make chicago a top free agent destination I'm not a huge fan of it. If you look at most of the teams that are in the playoffs, they've either somehow managed to get their their teams built through the draft or they've or in Miami's case, they've signed a bunch of guys from the street that can have a decent role on a team and they have great organization and discipline and and the whole heat culture thing in place to help them succeed, which is something that the Bulls don't have. Speaking of Miami, do you miss Jimmy Butler? I kind of do. When Jimmy Butler played here, I was a huge fan, especially considering his, his backstory being picked up at the at the bottom of the first round. Nobody expected him to amount to, obviously, the player that he is today. Real tough guy, a lot of miles on him. And even when he was traded five years ago, I believe it was, from the Bulls, I was I was on board just because I knew how much he'd been played by Thibs and just overall minutes and mileage that he's been put on those legs. And the fact that he, when he played here, he was more of kind of a banger. He didn't play with too much finesse. So that probably put a little more wear and tear on his body. That was one of the main reasons why I was on board for the Jimmy trade. Now, there's a lot of nostalgia among the fan base when they see Jimmy Butler and they say, you know, when Jimmy was here, we should have never traded him. I think a lot of people are kind of prisoners of the moment. They forget that when Jimmy was in Chicago, there was drama. There was the whole thing about him and Dwayne Wade being buddies and Rajon Rondo having to take 
the young guys under his wing because they felt like the veterans were weren't helping them or were detrimental to their development. Also, there was I think there was a rift between Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler. And, you know, Joakim Noah was kind of caught in the middle of that where he was obviously D. Rose's friend. And I think there was uh, even a, a little bit of beef between Jimmy Butler and Joakim Noah. So, and and also that's at the time the Golden State Warriors were winning championships and they were they were three-point shooting team and everybody on their team was a three-point shooter. And there was ball creation, ball movement, movement. When you looked at Jimmy Butler, he's he's not a three-point threat. He's not, at least at the time when he played for the Bulls, he's not a guy that could set everybody else up. He didn't play with a lot of cuts and a lot of a lot of movement. He was more of an ISO guy. So any any angle that you looked at him, he wasn't appropriate for the type of team growth that the Bulls were looking to make. And I was okay with him leaving at the time. Now, do we get the proper return for him? No. But when there's so many rumors coming out of your organization that this player is kind of ruining team chemistry and you want to get rid of him, again, going back to the whole leverage thing, you lose your entire leverage. So whatever you can get, you take it. And that's what the Bulls did, I believe. Chris Dunn could have... If he could have only stayed, man, when he after he fell on his face, of course, Chris Dunn, he's he's the other player that besides Zach Levine that we got from Minnesota in the seventh overall pick. If he could have possibly stayed a little longer on the Bulls, I think he he would have been pretty good. But again, I don't like playing the what if game. So Jimmy Butler, as much as a lot of Bulls fans want to kind of drool over what he's doing in Miami. Remember, Bulls fans, he, was, he wasn't he was necessarily a great guy to have around during the end of his tenure in Chicago. I think a lot of people forget that or at least choose to disregard it because we're in a bad spot as a team right now. So don't forget, guys, Jimmy Butler wasn't the best when he was here. Now, what he's doing right now in the playoffs is incredible. I mean, I never... I, I wouldn't have picked Miami based on the regular season showing. I would not have picked them to go past, especially Milwaukee. And right now they're on the cusp of getting into the NBA Finals. And I think because of their experience being in the Finals, they might even, which was in 2020, the bubble, I don't know how much it counts, but they might even have a really good chance against Denver. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I picked Denver, Philadelphia and and Milwaukee to be the three best teams and possibly two of them obviously Denver and whoever comes out of the the east to meet in the finals and you know <laughs> Jimmy Butler took care of Milwaukee in the first round as an 8 seed which is nuts I mean he he's putting game after game he's putting in these incredible performances of course the series against New York real grinded out series Jimmy's built for that stuff and now with Boston, uh, of course, Boston won last night. But I think overall, Miami's going to come out on top. So, yeah, I miss Jimmy Butler, especially seeing him, how well he plays. But it's like it's like one of those things. You, you're, you're with this chick and you're dating and then all of a sudden you, you see some other chick that's better looking or whatever. And you end up dumping this chick. And... She puts on a bunch of makeup. She has a complete makeover or something like that. Or she goes, you know, she becomes more beautiful. And then you see her with another guy and you just get kind of jealous. I think that's the type of situation that it is. But it's still the same chick, you know. So people, <laughs> you know, don't forget, guys, getting back with your ex is not a good idea. So Jimmy, he can stay in Miami. It's, it's better for him. It's better for everybody else. Speaking of looking at other teams and being jealous of how good they are, how about the Denver Nuggets? I mean, those guys, top to bottom, have probably the best starting five in basketball right now. They don't have any real holes in their game. They have length. They have chemistry. They have 
um, a pretty loud fan base, actually. I remember it was towards the end of the game of game two in Denver uh, in the Lakers series. There was a defensive sequence where there was, uh, it, it seemed like maybe there were two Nuggets players and a one Laker player trying to get the ball. I forget who it was, but at the end of the play, Jamal Murray comes out with the ball and he does this like half court, almost half court alley oop to Aaron Gordon. And it was in the fourth quarter, and the crowd went absolutely nuts. It went nuts. It was super cool. Very happy for Denver. Great team. You can't really say anything bad about him. Nicole Jokic right now, he's doing some historic things with, I believe it was eight triple doubles in the playoffs, and, and he's he's at the level of Will Chamberlain. And, he you know, he's not – he this is – He's only getting better, and he's not even at the at the end of his prime yet. He, he seems like he's a pretty durable guy. I mean, he doesn't have, he doesn't play out of his, I guess, out of his physical capabilities or try to do anything fancy. He's just a really smart player that understands super high basketball IQ and has great rhythm in the game. Jamal Murray, it sucks that this guy missed one season because of knee injury because if if he would have played last year they probably would have been where they are now last year because this guy Mike Malone said all he needs to do is just see one go in and then he'll catch fire after that and that's exactly what we're seeing especially when the big lights are on during the season he had a couple of good games here and there you know maybe some load management maybe a little bit of rust or whatever but man when the lights are on this guy is an absolute killer. Absolute killer. Aaron Gordon, what a great job defending LeBron James. This guy, he was brought in. Everybody was a little worried or, you know, they had something to say about him replacing Jeremy Grant. But look at the great job that he's done. Sure, he's not as much of an offensive threat as Grant was. But the defense, and and if he was more of an offensive guy... He probably would have had a problem with the with the role that they're having him play, but he's not. He's perfectly fine with what he does. He's been assigned a role, and he knows that he's a good team player. He, he shuts, I, I don't know about shut LeBron down, but obviously he did a really good job defending him. Athletic, he has length. He could probably guard one through five. You have Michael Porter Jr., not necessarily a good <laughs> A great passer or anything like that, but a great score. He has length too. Pitches just enough defense to kind of make make you when you look at him say, "Wow, he's a great team contributor." So great team overall. Bruce Brown, this guy coming off the bench. So many games where he's been one of their best players. Unbelievable. Like, where did this guy come from? So <clears throat> I guess the theme for these playoffs are. Players that aren't necessarily super famous having a huge impact on games. So, um, something else I wanted to talk about was now the Denver Nuggets, as great as they are, as 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 great of a of a run as they're having, and Jokic, of course, is as great statistically as he is. A day after the Nuggets beat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. They're everybody on ESPN and NBA or whatever. They're talking about how LeBron James possibly will not be returning next season. Now, I'm a you know, Miami, Cleveland, they took us out of the playoffs so many times in the past decade. I can't stand LeBron James. I'm a huge LeBron hater. I hate everything that he stands for. I'm going to give him that. He's he's a great player. He's the second best player of all time. You know, he's obviously a physical phenomenon that nobody could stop. He's He has high IQ, whatever. But the whole, his personality, man. So I'm going to tell you, this is my other theory right now. He, he mentioned his whole, I might not be back next season thing, just to kind of like that little kid that you know you he wants you to feel bad for him or you know he kind of wants that attention and he's going to be back next season and he's going to say okay I'm doing it for everybody I'm going to have this last season here 
he's doing it for basically for for his documentary. He's having a farewell tour, just like Kobe Bryant did. Except with Kobe, it was a little more, it was a little more organic, I guess you can say. With LeBron, you could tell that he's just he's all about that pity and look at me and I'm the greatest ever and blah blah. blah. I can't I can't stand this man. The Denver Nuggets just whooped them. 4-0. Swept them. I mean, Lakers, sure, they had a great run. Whatever. How is it that all they're talking about is LeBron James? Game one. The Denver Nuggets beat him. And all they could talk about was, hey, maybe Rui Hachimura can defend Nicole Jokic. Lakers will be fine. Darvin Ham talking about we'll be, we'll be fine. I guess it's his team, though, so I can't really expect anything different. But... All the media was talking about James, LeBron James. Come on, guys. Give it up, man. I mean, he's sure he's one of the greatest of all time, but and the fact that he plays on the Lakers and the and you know what really bothers me too is that since the All-Star break, after that one scene in Boston, like at the end of the game where he was, you know, he did the whole dramatic thing about where he, he didn't get a call and he kind of he was just being super dramatic about it. Since then, the Lakers have, I think, I don't have the stats in front of me, but like they average like 30, 35, 40 free throws a game. So another conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I mean, listen, man, he gets called. He gets a ton of foul calls, probably more than he should be getting. Sure, he's LeBron James, but. Man, I'm sick of this guy already. Listen, man, if you're not coming back next season, I'll be happy with that. Stay home or go coach your son or something, man. I'm tired of your of your dramatic uh, outside of the game shit, man. Leave that shit at home. All right, everybody. Till next time.